You're listening to Secret Sonics, a podcast exploring the creative side of music production. Hello guys, welcome back to Secret Sonics. I am your host, Ben Wallach. Before we get into this episode, I want you to please take a moment, if you haven't done so yet, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That will really help this podcast move forward. Thank you so much, and here's the interview. My guest today is Amit Golan. Amit is a music producer and recording, mixing, and mastering engineer based out of Jerusalem, Israel. He is also the founder of Supersonic Studios. For over 25 years, Amit has worked with some of the top musicians in Israel, producing many well-known artists, including the Moshav Band, Rida, Yonatan Razel, YM, and many more. His production and mixing work are known for their uncompromising quality, striving always to get the best out of the artist, the production, and himself. Uh, I've known Amit for a few years already. We're co-Jerusalem music producer mixing people, and uh, it's a real pleasure to, to, for you to join us on the show. Welcome to the show, Amit. Wow, thanks. Thanks for having me, Ben. Amazing. Pleasure to be you. Awesome. So tell us a bit about how you got started getting involved in music production. Oh, that was a long, long time ago in the galaxy far, far away. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Basically, music was always in my life in a a big amount, in big, big way. And uh, I always listened to music, always been in there trying to understand what's behind uh, the playbacks, behind the songs, how it's been created, how it's been done. And uh, when I got released from the army, basically, that was uh, my first time I uh, encountered the, the professional sound uh, industry. I started to work when, as soon as I went to Yav Gera Sound School. It was a, a, like a, the famous sound school in Tel Aviv. I've, um, I've been, I checked it out, actually. Oh, yeah. you checked I it to, out? I went to go see it, yeah. 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 I don't know how it is it now. I was, yeah. th- uh, I was there like, I don't know, 20 more years ago, um, I've been there for one year, and I worked at the beginning as an assistant uh, at a at a friend studio, which was a very cool studio in Oshiskin called Studio Fifty One. He got me into the things, and he pretty much uh, spent with me a lot of time, a lot of time on the console. It was a Tascam console, beautiful, warm sounding console. I remember. Uh, which we recorded a lot of music there, days and nights. Uh, we burned a lot of hours there. And this is how I started, basically, uh, doing a lot of uh, young Jerusalem bands, a lot of rock and roll. Uh, it was uh, CDs, projects that like took all the Jerusalem bands, and it was kind of a context, and I worked like all around the clock, basically. That was my starting point right there, together with the Yoav Gera Sound School, which was more theory uh, a little bit of studio work over there, but not really something. You really that... learn when you get your hands, you know, oh, yeah. dirty. And, uh, and, well, and... you you learn on the theory was good part of of sitting in a classroom. Yeah, uh, it was a good structure and basic, but you know, uh, if you don't meet the real the real situation, you don't know how to handle it really. So yeah, so a lot of practice, a lot of productions, a lot of recordings as an engineer um many years doing engineering solely uh producing came came up later Mm -hmm. how did that happen well you know as as we said as the you get you know practicing you know engineering and, and working with bands the mileage you get you you get your ideas for yourself 
you know uh, what sounds better, how it will sound better, what way to capture it, and what way to present it. So, uh, you know, throughout the years, uh, when I did a lot of, lot of projects on my own, basically with no producer, I took the production side to myself. Mm-hmm. So that's how it started, basically, because a lot of the artists don't really go out with the producer. Basically, oh, well, more or less around then. I think today the, produc- the producers are more like common all around. And every guy that actually got a, a little studio place is all, also pro- producing from the very beginning. Yeah. For me, it, it took more time. It took more time to get into the production world. But you it, grew up more in that, you know, you kind of came up in that more old school tradition of like, you know, you're working in a studio, things are, you know, you're engineering, and then eventually you move up, you move up to the producer thing. Oh, yeah. Be, very old school. I began uh, with two-inch tapes, machines, yeah. <laughs> and consoles, which sounded great. Yeah. Uh, I worked with different consoles, different studios, and different platforms. And I really dug into the engineering work at the beginning. But then also, you know, when you, you know, you never, you never uh, finish with that. But, you know, you take another, you know, glimpse of things and another side of things. And that's when my production came into uh, to yeah. reality, to, to life, basically. Amazing. Was there a song or album that really opened your mind to the possibilities of what you could accomplish with music production? Um. Well, yeah, yeah, well, it's more than one, more than one album. Uh, I remember as a young engineer, my first, one of my first production work was the Moshav band. Yeah. If, yeah, it should be I think like, they're known as Moshav now, right? Moshav right now, yeah. Uh, so the Moshav was my uh, first, their first album I produced, and I produced it together with Danny Roth, which was their drummer, and... Over there, um, you know, it's really came up, everything came up really fast, and the talent was amazing. Yeah, um, those guys are amazing. Th- yeah, so... I'll put a know, link to the album in the show notes, so oh, people yeah. can have a listen. Yeah, yeah, thanks. So, in any event, over there, uh, I really understood the possibilities, as you said, and I really understood what can I do with young artists, talented as... Uh, Yehuda Salman and Duvit Swirsky, they are the core of the Mushav band. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, it was a raw production, as you heard probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, the grunge time, you know, Seattle times. Yeah, it's definitely uh, inspired by that Pearl Jam. Uh, oh, yeah. And, like, for sure, thing. for sure. And although it, I don't, when I hear it today, I'm shocked, you know, because I would mix it totally different today or I would approach it totally different today. I think for that time... It was great experience, and it came out great. Also, I think they got picked up by Sony after that album, or maybe the other one. I produced two. Mm-hmm. They picked up by Sony. Days. That was an an, an, uh, an album that came up later, which I produced also for them, and Sony picked them up wow. after that album. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, but it still has a lot of. Even if it's not as sonically, you know, perfect as you would do it today, it still has emotional impact for the listener. You know. Oh yeah, I think it, it made it made some echoes that album. I remember it was very popular, and some things that I'll mix yesterday, I'm not happy with it today. Yeah, you know. So <laughs> you know, twenty years ago, <laughs> it's a big difference. Sure. Big gap. Sure. So, so today, what are you what are you looking for in an artist when you're trying to see if it's going to be a good fit working together? Well. Two things. Eighty percent of the th- of the of the whole issue for me is the song itself. 
So if I get a good song, right, to a certain extent, you can uh, work on the, you know, on the performances, on the vocals, on the arrangement, on the recording, on everything else. But if I got a good song, that's the key for me. 80% of everything for me is a good, good song. The other thing is work, you know, work for me, work for the artist, work for the players. Uh, so that's what I'm looking for at the first glimpse of things. The other thing is the personality. Um, you know, an artist that I can really work with and not, you know, fool around and not getting into things that I don't want to get in terms of, you know, not straightforward people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, something that something like workable, basically. Workable, that's the... Someone actual, that you'll enjoy spending time with, but and, also be productive and, with. And joy is one thing, and able to work with is another. There's a lot of uh, nice people, and, you know, and they got the own, own set mindset of things, how to get things done and stuff like that. And if I'm producing somebody, it's not that they don't have a say, but I know what to do not to make errors. And if somebody is not really there to work with me, uh, I think I will pass, you uh -huh. know, you know, but still there's a lot of people that do, that I do select to work with and select me to work with and uh, some great results along the way. Yeah. Awesome. So, so what's, what are you listening for the first time you hear a song? And, and that said, would you, would you rather hear like a live raw version or a demo that someone brings you? Basically I would, if the guy is a singer-songwriter, I would sit him down in my studio with acoustic guitar and let him just play the songs. Uh, I want to hear it firsthand. I want to hear how he reacts to what he's playing. I want to hear how it sounds in real time, live. Yeah. Um, nothing that got selected or filtered before, like a demo. Um, I want to hear it how it sounds, really. And that's the first thing I would do in any production. I want to hear the song. And I, I want to hear how it's been performed. And, you know, and above, and, you know, later on, you can get into the form, the arrangement, the, the you know, the tonality, uh, the transposition, you know. The, so first thing, really, is to sit down with the, with the artist and hear his songs. Hear if I can help him. Yeah. Maybe I cannot. Are you listening <laughs> for anything specifically? I'm listening to a good song. I want to hear a good song. I want to hear a good song. Uh, I want to hear... The structure, I want to hear if he connects to it in a way that can come out and connects to a different people. Mm -hmm. Also, if, 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 if he's singing in the right key and if that key is, yeah. is right to him, but that, that's, that's more detailed stuff I would get into later. First of all, I want to hear really the song. This is the most important thing. What's behind the thing? If it will capture me, if uh, it will turn me on, um, as soon as I, I hear a good song playing in my studio, as you know, somebody comes in and play it to me, I will have arrangement ideas. Things will pop up to my head the first time or the second time I will hear it. Yeah. Uh, and as soon as that happened, I know I got something in there. Something clicked, and it will be a, you know a nice experience to uh, dip into. Amazing. Uh, so generally speaking, how do you get the ball rolling when it comes to starting a production? Oh, okay. So ball rolling in terms of technical, how I do it, or yeah, it could be either. Well, you know, do you do pre-production? Uh, you know, I, I would. About all I, this I would. I would approach. You know, I approach differently to different types of recordings, at different times, types of production. Basically, I would start with the guide tracks, sitting down, even live. 
I don't need to track it by tracks. I just have to have it cut down to a click yeah. and uh, and listen to what I got uh, behind the glass. I have a glass. Yeah, so unlike, unlike me. <laughs> We're record, okay. currently recording this in my studio here in uh, in Jerusalem. And Amit's studio is down the block and he's got a two-room setup. <laughs> yeah, which is, you know, it's nice, but you can also work with headphones. Still, what I'm saying is that I will, I will cut down, uh, you know, the guide tracks. And first of all, I would look at the form of the song. I would see if it works for me, if it's driving me, and if it can work later on. Um, if not, I will try to uh, rearrange uh, the form of the song, maybe the key of the song. Uh, if it's not, you know, suitable in that time, if the singer is, you know, singing too high or too low, or the song itself, how it sounds in different keys, maybe it will sound better and half step up or half step down, yeah. or maybe a full one, I don't know. Uh, but that's the first thing uh, I ever do. Well, from here... It really goes to different, uh, you know, directions. Uh, sometimes I will select uh, to, you know, to start with the rhythm section. Sometimes I will select to start with programming. And let's say mm, not too long ago, I recorded uh, an album with Shlomo Katz mm -hmm. um, with all kinds of uh, well-known, uh, you know, Jewish artists um that all each one did like one song of himself interpretation of of uh, somebody else's music uh zusha and uh chaim david and yosef karduner and shlomo katz himself and these are all well-known jewish uh musical right, artists right in, in, the case, jewish in case you're not right, aware they're in the jewish the, scene the very talented uh, folks and the thing is that over there i've selected to start working um not with rhythm section, uh, not with uh, programming the you know the drums, uh, not going down from the bass. I was selected to work firstly with the piano, because that's that was the you know the spirit of the project of the songs, and felt better to me to start with the piano to make it the the main thing, the real thing, and to arrange over that to get what I what I wanted from the piano player. And not from, you know, not going from the ground up from drums, bass, mm -hmm. programming, stuff like that. So uh, there's different ways to different productions that I will take. Firstly, at the beginning, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I guess it depends on the vibe that you're on getting. On the vibe, on the songs. On the on songs. On the songs, yeah, basically. Do, do you ever do pre-production with like a band? Is that something that you do? Well, I did that before. I did that before uh, with a couple of bands, uh, went into a rehearsal room and start to, uh, you know, to arrange things and see how they, they cope with one uh, another, with each other and stuff like that. Uh, I'm doing that when it come up and it's necessary, for sure. Sometimes it is necessary. Um, yeah, yeah, I will do that. For sure, that I will, I will be there. So chronologically, how does a typical song with like a singer songwriter, let's say, come together? Well, typically, it's never, it's never typical. It's always different stuff that I select to do with different people. Uh, but if I would say something like in the mainstream of things, I will come up to live. It's that I record. Let's say if I go for the traditional way, I record drums and bass together after the guy tracks, mm -hmm. um, focusing on the on the rhythm firsthand after I, I got some kind of a guitar uh, playing. So, you know, guide for me. Uh, a lot can be learned from the guide track. 
Um, what do you mean? I mean, rhythmically, the way the artist himself, even if he's not playing his guitars on the album, which it happens, uh, he plays stuff that you would never get from another player that it's not his song. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm doing that, when I'm recording like drums and bass over a guide guitar, I really take that guide guitar under consideration. Mm-hmm. And I really work with the instinct of the singer-songwriter towards his song when it comes, you know, when, it, when it's reasonable, when it's good for the song. It's always what's best for the song, what's better for the production itself. So I would start with that. Uh, drums, bass, I have uh, a guide guitar. Sometimes I would uh, select to uh, do some uh, programming over that drums. Uh, combining or switching or, you know, uh, do whatever I want. That could be like an, on that stage after the drums and bass, you know. After that, I would always, uh, not always, but most of the time I would feel comfortable to arrange the song with some guitars, if it's rock and roll or if it's uh, something else, maybe some guitars to put on. And then I would go for the keys. And it's really developing, and I can't say that one way or the other I would go you know, straight and do the same thing yeah, uh, sure. for, for one song to the other. But uh, basically, basically, that's the spirit of things. I would always uh, take uh, um, the MIDI recordings from the, from the uh, piano player, from the keyboard player, even if he's not really playing synthesizer on the song. And I always mess up later with the song, with, with his MIDI. I will always take sounds up and I will always try to find something interesting um, you know, to connect with that with his playing. So you're you're usually recording the keyboard parts with MIDI, like also. I will, if if I'm doing uh, audio, if I'm not using my virtual instrument to get the sound, I will, um, which I do. I will I will record the MIDI because I'm not really knowing that moment that that sound will be my sound. Ah. If I want to twist it and turn it and make it more interesting and different or different sound altogether. You'll experiment with different VSTs yeah, later. Th- yeah, exactly. So I can experiment later. I always carry that MIDI with me along with the audio, along with that sound of the virtual instrument, whatever it's going to be. Uh, even if it's simple. If it, I would ask to hear in that moment the piano, it could be totally different sound later. Yeah, Totally different sound later. So what influences your decisions when it comes to structure and arrangement? You were talking about how you maybe will change that up based on what the artist brings you. Well, it really depends on the song itself. The, the song itself di- dictates what is the structure, what is the style, uh, how to approach it. Um, and it, and it, it drops down on you. Like, you know, you hear it. You hear the rhythm. Yeah. The rhythm is one of the most important things to understand, you know, the direction of the song. Uh, basically, uh, that's one of the key elements of of getting the right structure or the right, you know, direction for the song. Uh, and also the melodies, also the, you know, the energy, for sure. Everything will, in one way or the other, will affect my decisions. And uh, and again, and I said, as, as soon as, as I hear the song, I don't need really to dip into the production work. <clears throat> you know, I got some experience, so... and. I really hear a lot of stuff going really from the beginning. I really hear it. it like, you know, it's like when you uh, wake up at night after you dream and you hear yeah. a song, you worked in all day. So sometimes I hear arrangements like that. 
Yeah, it's like uh, it's like the Malcolm Gladwell concept. I don't know if you know about this. There's it, like a, that's what it is. The ten thousand hour rule. If you've done something long enough, then you can make an instinct decision like very quickly, and you just you just know. Okay, this is this is how we're gonna do it. Uh, well, it drops it down on you. It you know it really like uh, capture you when you hear the song, and uh, from you know the, the your influences. Uh, what you have been listening to throughout the years sure. and what do you like or dislike or you yeah, want to do your taste basically yeah so uh, that that really di- dictates a lot of my directions uh, for sure along the way I can change it I can fine tune it I can you know whatever whatever is good for that song in that stage in time mm-hmm. um, that that will be basically my way to approach it so how do you find the musicians to play on these tracks usually Well, if it's not a band, as we discussed before, and you're going down to a, to a rehearsal room, uh, basically I work with uh, a lot of great musicians, uh, which, you know, you can call them session players, but they're also soul players, which is, you know, very big part of what I'm trying to get when I'm getting a track from a player. Uh, so, you know, I know a lot of players throughout the years, which I had a lot of experience with different players. And, and, you know, slowly but surely, I've selected my hand-pick A-team uh, for that style and a different maybe A-team for a different style. So uh, that's basically what I'm doing. And also, again, I don't want to be sounding too repetitive, but the song itself detects really also the players. I don't know one drummer is a great R&B player and a great funk player, but it's not as great as... other guy who can play rock and roll yeah so you know i would select different people for different tasks mm-hmm. uh, each one that what he's connecting to better and what he can bring out better for the song and the production do the do your artists usually let you choose the session musicians or do they have a hand in it as well mm, my artists basically rely on me uh-huh. basically uh, i i will select basically i will introduce them You know, uh, we'll say, this is the guy, that guy, he did this, he did that, let's hear it, you know, if they don't know them, but they're well-known people. So I think majority of the artist knows knows the, you know, the players that I work with. Mm-hmm. So it's easier. Amazing. Uh, so do you have any templates? Templates for mixing, for... Anything, yeah. For what? No, I hate templates. You hate templates? I hate templates. So you have no templates whatsoever? Um, templates, you know, I got basic templates for starting a session like this or like that. Uh, I will always and also I will never copy sounds from one song to to the other. It's very easy when you got like a project of 12 songs. you know you, there's a drummer playing about 12 songs and you want to copy the drum settings for a different mix you know from one mix to, to each other. Yeah, it'll be easy. The sound is there. The, it's the same kit, it's the same drummer, it's the same day, it's the same recording. I'm sure it's going to sound okay. Yeah, but I'm not doing that. I will start all over again. Mm-hmm. Because it's a different vibe, it's a different tonality, it's a different key. Uh, I, I, I'm not crazy about templates. I, I like to, uh, you Even know, for routing. Routing? No, in terms of what? Studio routing? No, like mixing. Let's say, uh, you know, a lot of people have, uh, you know, when they're mixing, they'll, they'll send oh. things through buses. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I got those. I got those. But this is nothing, you know, not, not, nothing ever. Not, not to, worth talking about. Yeah, it's, it's not an effortable thing to do. Um, you know, I really like to have a clear sheets for, yeah. for each and every mixing, mix I do. Um, 
it's refreshing. Mm-hmm. It leaves you sharp and edgy. Uh-huh. It leaves you um, creative also. Not to have that same plug-in, same reverb, always there, sending it. You know, you know I'm, I'm choosing different plugs, different software, uh, or different hardware for different stuff I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, I'm not making my job easy, I know. Uh, but, yeah. But this is what it is. Well, it's uh, I like to it's do. time consuming, but it's uh, but it's but it's more rewarding. It sounds like. Yeah. Well, certain stuff I have some templates going. You know, routing, uh, recording uh, tracks that will open up as soon as I'll bring up the templates. But basically, for mixing, uh, I would like to you know clear everything and start a new fresh sessions with the tracks that I recorded. Can you talk talk to me a little bit about the way you do sessions? When you're doing a mix mix session, for example, is that a completely different sec, um, session in Pro Tools? Like, how does it come about? Well, basically, again, I would save the the session that I got on you know on the file and recordings uh, to uh, you know another copy of the session. I will clear everything up. If I like something, if I'm, you know, I'm not married to anything. I got the ideas in my head. And if I like something, I could leave it. But for sure, I will change it. I will make it a little bit more uh, detailed. And, you know, uh, I will dip in more to different stuff. So uh, that will be a new copy. Yeah. Uh, and, you know. Like uh, a save as, basically. Yeah, save as. And I can always go back to the recording session if I need, if I need to add something, and if I need to uh, pull out something or pull, you know, in something. I can always do that. Uh, but yeah, um, about the recording itself, I like to strive for performances. Before I mix, I really sit on my players. Like I know I'm a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, uh, I'm really perfectionist in getting the right take. Yeah, I'm not about comping. Oh, interesting. I'm, I'm okay with comping. I'm not. I don't believe in that so much for myself. Yeah, because uh, I want to hear. I want to hear something developed. I want to hear something that it's whole, uh, yeah. as 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 takes going. Uh, I'm not crazy about throwing like 50 takes of vocals and st- and then st- start to uh, comp something that will sound like a vocal take. Yeah, I need to hear some development. I hear I need to hear the feeling. And uh, when you overdo stuff, when you overdo takes, that mm-hmm. thing goes goes away a little bit. The know? magic, the magic, the feeling. Of the thing, uh, if you just you know, uh, you know what I, I I've seen a, a a guy who's doing, um, you know, let's do five six takes, and I will take it from there. And I wanna you know do it. I'm doing it a little bit old school, you know, maybe because where I'm coming from uh, and and the time that I've working on that thing, like going linear, yeah, get that verse going, mm-hmm. you know, if if even if we need to punch it a little bit. If we need to go back a little bit, um, you know, and get it working before going to the next thing. Uh huh. So you're doing it linearly, but getting full takes of each thing. So you'll do like a full verse, then you'll move on to the next, to that first chorus, yeah, exactly, et cetera. Exactly. Or maybe sometimes if it's easier uh, for the singer, uh, I would go for uh, the verse and then the second verse before the first chorus. Maybe, mm. maybe I'll start them off with the chorus to warm your voice up, you know? And then I'll go back to the verse. But then I'll usually do one nice take from the beginning, sitting on his butt and yeah. getting a great performance uh, 
from beginning to end. Do you have any uh, tips for coaching a vocalist into doing a solid take? Well, there's so many different ways to approach it. First of all, it should be a good day. Yeah. <laughs> it should be a good day for the vocalist because not, not every day is a good day for the vocalist. And sometimes I send my uh, vocalist home and I'll tell him, look, it's not your day. I would not record it. I would not record this uh, just to get it done because I want to get a great performance. And this is not your day, a little bit hoarse. You'll, you got that morning sound or whatever you got. Yeah. Uh, your punch in your voice is not there today because, you know, as, as we work with our artists, we know them and they know the, the capabilities. Yeah. And uh, that that will be the first thing to have a good, good day. Nothing I would do to... Uh, you know, to make that voice sound better on my technical end will be as good as if he came up with a good voice that day. Yeah, um, the source. The source have to be the best I can have. Yeah. Um, and then if you're talking about, um, you know, starting to uh, recording in that day, and if the voice is good, it's basically to warm up a lot, to, to get your voice warmed up real good and to to know the difference between warming up your voice and wearing it, wearing it down. Yeah. There's a, there, there's a line in between. Yeah. You have, to, uh, you have to know, to understand, and to identify, and to work in that margin and that gap you got to uh, get that v right vocal take. So how long, like how long do you th is, does that usually last? Uh, that pr process that of recording. That sweet spot of, uh, of recording with a warmed it's, up voice. It's really, it's really different from one artist to, to another. Yeah. One guy could, could have a good voice for an hour and the other guy could have a, a great voice for six hours. I can tell you a weird story. We talked about the, that Moshav uh, yeah. album that I did. About the vocal recording, uh, we did that re recording in like I don't know, a couple of days, and one of the and we worked d days and for nights the whole album you for mean. the al for the whole album. The recording was like a couple, three, four, five, six. I don't know, maybe a week, not more than that. Yeah, pretty much. Maybe I don't remember right, but this is my my memory of that thing. Good times in the nineties. Good time, very good times in the nineties. Yeah. In any event. <laughs> Uh, an exceptional vocalist, Yehuda Solomon. This is an exceptional vocalist. I don't know if uh, if you met him or uh, you, you had the, the privilege to work with him. I've had the privilege of, of hearing him live. And oh, yeah, oh, and, as and, like, and, and you know, show. just as an audience member. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, so that that was a funny story. I was uh, finishing recording. I don't know what, maybe a cello or something, like in one a.m. in the morning. And uh, we worked basically on a guide voice, and which the guide voice was great because Yehud is a great vocalist. So I liked to work on the guide voice, and I I may I thought maybe I would keep it even. Yeah. But then uh, I would say, you know what? Why why I wouldn't get another take of him? And he was sleeping on the couch. <laughs> that was one one thirty in the morning. I woke him up, and I said, Yehuda, let's let's come do do let's do vocals. He took a glass of water, went into the booth knock me down on one take and that basically that the song that that i've sent you the way over mm -hmm. that's a one take wow One thirty in the morning <laughs> after you were sleeping yeah so, you know it's very very different from one you know vocalist to the other yeah yeah so every every vocal is a story right so, so what are some of your favorite creative tools in the studio and why? <clears throat> creative tools well there's recording uh, tools that, that i'm using which I'm not, you know, I'm not like a gear geek. Yeah. Uh, basically, I have a nice selection of microphones. 
Uh, one of my favorites is 414 ULS, like vintage kind yeah. of an 80. AKG. AKG. I yeah. love that. It's kind of all around mic and also capturing a lot of nice stuff on the bottom end, which my Neumann won't. Yeah. Uh, so um, I got a nice selection of microphones. I'm not too spoiled. I went f- uh, for a, a nice tube channel and a nice solid state channel. And I have more solid state uh, preamps if I need to record drums or stuff, stuff like that. Uh, but that that basically are my tools in terms of capturing this stuff. Um, I got nice acoustics. Uh, you know, I got a, a separate room so I can um, play play the music through uh, my monitors. I like that. I like playing the music as it happened through the monitors. I think yeah. it's a, it's something that it's uh, fading out today, right? When all the producers, yeah. most of them got one room kind of all, yeah. whole thing. Every, um, every once in a while, um, for just for the audience to imagine this, in the other room we have a, I have a piano in the living room here. So I'll occasionally record the piano from here, just, you know, using a snake. And I'll and when that happens, I could actually listen back on my monitors and it is it is very nice. Although very nice, I don't have yeah. eye contact with the, the musician at that point, but... But it is nice to hear it live coming out of the speakers. You do right. get a, you do get a fuller sense of what it, what the capture is than using headphones. It's very right. Um, so that that's a nice tool that I always I'm I'm always used to work like that. Cause I always work like that. Yeah. If I didn't work in my studio like that, I worked with different studios like that. Yeah. Uh, when I, I did more freelance engineering, running around the country. Um, but now I have that also in my studio, which is great. And this is a tool that I like. Uh, the acoustic. Is a tool that I like. The acoustics work, of the room. Of the room, uh, different parts of the room. Uh, I know uh, they will sound better for different applications. Oh, cool. So I would use that. Um, yeah, yeah, that's basically it. I love my converters. You know, uh, I'm, I'm using uh, A to D and D to A converters, which are great. Um, they make the sound really, really different, If you know, uh, from the ground up. Um, you know, so basically I'm not crazy about, I won't go and spend, you know, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on a gear. Um, I've learned throughout the years what I like, what works for me. And uh, I went through that. I went to that. Amazing. Do you have any, uh, creative tools in terms of like, uh, instruments that you like to use? Creative tool, the instrument. Well, again, it's a question about templates basically, which I don't like. Yeah. Um, I like to see what the song needs and to use it, uh, you know, when it needs it. Uh, not to go, okay, I got this, I got that. Let's use that all the time. It's yeah, not yeah. my way. It's not and my sure. way is, is to try to understand what what will make the song better. Um, so creative tools could be all around and different instrument. And a lot of my creative tools are people also. Yeah. Because sure. I've produced people, I've produced, uh, you know, players, which they are creative by themselves. Yeah, for sure. And as soon as you give uh, a player some room, that's a, a, a very powerful creative tool. Yeah. Um, I love that. I, I, have a mindset of, I have a mindset of how things should sound and how I would like them to sound eventually. But I will always hear how the player will inter- 
tape it first? How 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 he sees mm-hmm. that first? Interpret it, yeah. Interpret it. Sorry, my English is not. That no, your English is great, man. It's okay. English is great. In any event, throughout throughout the years, you, you select people that are your creative tools, and I got a big bunch of uh, you know yeah, in of, your back pocket. In my backpack pocket for any on any application, and the human uh, factor is. The biggest factor is the biggest factor more than gear more than templates more than plugins more than hardware and more than anything I can make a good song uh, a great sounding song with shitty yeah sorry for the word no you're allowed Sh- to we, we always put great, a big e on this uh, beautiful podcast. <laughs> shitty shitty gear yeah, yeah and I did that and it happened you know so you know again I would say and I'll be a uh, I repeat myself and Uh, the song is what it takes what it takes over yeah sure uh, so all of that said do you think you do anything specifically that gives you a trademark sound trademark sound um I don't know do I have a trademark sound I I don't think so I don't know I'm not sure uh, yeah again so trademark I know it it belongs to a different time yeah trademark sound Bob clear mountain on yeah, drums exactly. and stuff like, of, like that. Brian Adams uh, Brian records. Eno on yeah. YouTube guitars uh, you know but if you'll take today's producers uh, they are basically going uh, where the production takes them and where the song takes them and each song will can sound different even on the same album Mm-hmm. you know yeah for sure really depend on on the song itself again I'm I'm starting to be boring about this but this no is but that's it, okay but this is what it is yeah yeah so, so how do you balance your creative vision with what the artist is going for oh we talk about it we talk about it to see uh you know how do we we look at things um I know I know that some of my uh artists that I like you know coming back uh, artist I Uh, are like returning they, returning re- returning re- uh yeah yeah return, customers like you're hus- turning artist yeah i would say better it's a better word yeah um no no more or less you know my uh way of working my way of working my visions something but but you know it's always something new yeah it's always something you know we'll always found a different path together and it's crazy times in the studio because it's great to work together with an artist and to find ways uh to make the song sound better found new parts to different players which uh I am a nudge about I do want to get that part that I hear in my head and I would make the player play it for me if that's what I think it should be done mm-hmm. to that uh, production but again together with an artist I, I love to to produce together I'm not that kind of a producer would say okay uh everybody listen to me this is my agenda yeah. and this is my vision and this is where you're gonna go yeah um, I'm not crazy about it because I love to get input from the artist itself because that's his stuff he wrote it yeah that's his music yeah 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 uh you wanna you wanna um, you know produce on his ballpark yeah it also adds because uh, when you have two heads working you're gonna get more something that's bigger than the sum of its parts usually right beautiful yeah this is what it is it's more than two heads and each and every uh you know player that comes in each and every uh you know a guy that comes into my studio I will use him I will use him to to get new ideas to hear how he hears it yeah yeah amazing uh, this is very important I think um do you have any rituals or routines that you do to either get or stay inspired or I got my Buddha doll no I'm just choking um routines to get its part 
Yeah, it could be like you take a run every day, or it could be. Oh, I, I, I do, uh, I do some sports, but I don't think that you know connects really hard. Maybe it does. I don't know. Yeah, it uh, might keep your head clear. You know, it could be, could be. Mm, I don't know. I'm trying to get to be fresh every morning with you know with ideas and clear my head with different stuff that I'm working on. Uh, I don't have a cellar reception in my studio, so this is great. Yeah, I, I can't have calls and get you know make calls. I leave all that to off studio hours. Uh, I'm trying to get you know focused on stuff and not get distracted, and this helps me. I'm trying not to uh, be all around you know all the new media stuff and social stuff too much. You know, I'm I'm there every once in a while. I'm not you know it's it's a time consuming and energy consuming yeah, thing. Totally. Um, so I'm trying not to hang in there. Uh, yeah, that's basically what it is. Every day is a fresh day. It's a new day. Uh, you come up with your, uh, you know, with your mindset that day. I will always check up my work in a different days. I will never make decisions uh, based on one day work, uh, even though uh, I will think they sounded great on that day. Yeah. I will go back and check it. I will check mixing. I will check my mastering. I will check my recording. Uh, I will check my arrangement. Every new day that I'm working on that uh, project, yeah, because no, nothing gives you objectivity like than time removed from the work that you're doing. Even even if it's a it's a night's sleep, yeah, because because sure. if I'm working and it happens a lot, fourteen, sixteen, uh, you know, hours straight in the studio, your hearing is changing throughout the day. Right, you hear less highs in the end of the day. You make different decision upon that. Um, especially when you mix, I would never EQ my recordings uh, when I'm capturing them. When I do recordings, I will never EQ. I will never compress. I always like to leave them fresh. And there's a lot of headrooms today. 32-bit float on digital systems are amazing headroom. Yeah. Uh, back in th those days when we had tape, we had to re to to compress some of the stuff to go in. Sure. Because because the dynamic range wasn't that great. It was great, but it wasn't that great. But today the dynamic range is unbelievable. It's absurd. Yeah. So I don't like to change. I don't like to make decisions on my capturing, on my recording. I would like to leave that for later. Um, that's a, a, a nice tip that I would do because I know there's a lot of processing going on um and you know on the way in people like to process a lot and maybe it's good for them it lets it's less it narrows my options yeah i would like to leave my options open about my recordings and and you know and again when, when you do that there's not a lot of room for mistakes yeah when you actually do some some compression in queue and you you know capturing with that later on you can't really get rid of it so uh you know that's another thing i would uh, i wouldn't do not even vocals nothing nothing not even to color the sound i'm just going through a, a preamp and that's it mm -hmm. yeah do you have a, do you have a philosophy when it comes to mixing of how you want things to sound or how things should work together my philosophy is to make it sound the best i can mm -hmm. this is what it is to make the mix serve the song the song shouldn't serve your mix for sure you shouldn't uh, make the drums sound crazy because you want to you know you want people to understand you're a great uh drum mixer or whatever it is it's never you can get uh, a mix is a compromise uh, 
you know, all all the way. It's a compromise. You can't get everything sound great, but you got you can get everything sounding great as a whole, yeah. not as individual parts. You can have you know mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so basically, uh, if you want to get something bigger, something else should be smaller uh, in the mix. You know, for that moment in the mix, for right. that moment in the time and the song. So my philosophy is to move with the flow, to understand what the song is, what is it about, how it touches me, and how can I take that thing and lift it up harder and higher to touch as many uh, people that I can, that listening to that song eventually at the end of the day. Wow, that's great. So, uh, so if you could impart some wisdom to somebody getting started in music production today, what would you tell them? Not to? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, it's a tough business. I, I think today's today's um, young producers, not even young engineers. I don't know. There's there's in young engineers. I'm, I'm not sure there's anymore. Everybody's a producer, right? Yeah. So uh, I would say find your way. Find your way. Learn from everybody else. Because if you think, usually when you're young, you think you're like the the you know the hottest. The shit. The, you are the shit exactly. And when you do that, you block yourself for years to understand different way of working, different concepts and information, uh, which today is really valuable. Because when you are a producer, you have your own thing, you have your own room, you have your own computer recording system. It's not like back then when I worked with great engineers and you know and i learned from them a lot throughout the way you block yourself from that um a good tool is is actually to listen to listen to other production that you like and ask yourself how they get to that got to that to that point what they did and there's tons of tutorials there's tons of lectures online today uh, which can give you a good hints not the you know not the experiment but a good hint about going in that way or the other way. And the other thing is practice it a lot, all the time, in and out. If that's your passion, if you decided that's your life, or this is your life you're going to live, the only thing I would say is uh, take bands and record them, take artists and record them day in, day out. Learn from your mistakes. You'll always make a mistake. You'll always make one mistake here, one mistake there, or maybe huge mistakes. And this is a good thing. Mistakes are great things. You learn from them. Learn yeah. from your mistakes. Don't be afraid of making the mistakes. No, make those mistakes. Sometimes yeah. beautiful stuff also come out from the mistakes, but that's a different thing. In What I'm saying is take your time and work hard, experiment, um, and learn from your mistakes. Move on. Learn from other people if you can. Uh, I think that's uh, that's an, a key element of of you know of getting to a, a higher grounds and uh, exploring uh, better ways and better places. Mm-hmm. Any tips for doing that today? Where, well, that- I said there's there's tons of online uh, hotshots producers engineers talking about th- their work. That's one thing. If you really want, if you really like a studio rat and you really want to get into, get into it, I don't take assistant engineers because basically it's a you know it's not, it's not a, a huge studio and yeah it's and a- and I, I I don't I don't feel the need. But if you really are a studio rat and you really want to know how things happen, you really want to meet a nice artist on on your entry level. Um, you, sh- you should go to a big studio. Basically, a lot of them in Tel Aviv. 
and apply to a, a engineer assistant job. And this is the shit. Start making coffee. Start, yeah. start wiping the floor and start to understand how records are being made. I did that. I did that on my early beginning. It helped me a lot. It helped me a lot to understand the workflow, uh, to understand how consoles work, uh, signal path work, dynamic range work, signal to noise ratio work, all that stuff. I learned from different people. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to, to, to learn from reading or sitting in the classroom, which I did. Uh, it's harder than to actually meet it, meet it on your daily basis, day yeah. in, day out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so how can our audience find out a bit more about you? Um, in what way? Online, I have a, yeah. I have, I have a, a website. And, um, you know, uh, for sure, they can email me. They can check out some of my projects that uh, are there. I'm not a great at PR work, so, um, you know, people find me eventually. Yeah, they're, sure. listening, they're listening to my productions. Even if they liked it, they, they contact me and we go ahead then. Amazing. I mean, thank you so much for joining me on the show. It's been a pleasure schmoozing with you. It was a pleasure talking with you, Ben. It was a great time. Thank you for coming. Thank you. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Secret Sonics. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Amit as much as I did. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our other episodes, I would really appreciate it if you would go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. That really helps the podcast move forward. In addition to that, you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app and you could find out more at secretsonics.co where you can also choose an app to subscribe to on. As always, I'm open to your feedback and I would love to hear from you at secretsonics at gmail.com where you can let me know what you want to hear about and who you want to hear from. Also, don't forget to subscribe to us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Secret Sonics. That about wraps it up for this episode. So thank you so much for tuning in again. And until next time, I hope you guys have a great week and dig in.